We are back in the routine of our monthly bro and sis powwows uh, live on the cast. Hey, bro. Hey, how are you? Well, we are just rolling past the May long weekend here in Canada, and uh, spring has sprung. Life is real. Life is real. (laughs) We just finished hosting our annual retreat with Movement 108, and so we just got to go away to Mount Baker for a weekend of leisure, or AWOL as we call it. And it was just so nice to be able to be out in the mountains with good people, and our lovers came, and it was just really fun to to be out there. And you're like a week after surgery, a week and a bit after surgery, and so, you know, I checked out Instagram and, <laughs> and saw the, the cheering for all the people out on the seawall. It's real. It's real. I sit on my perch in the morning when I can't run and I just watch all the runners. And I think, I hope you're so lucky and you feel so blessed to be able to run because there's nothing I'd rather do than be able to run. But major abdominal surgery is no joke and I can't run uh, yet. And so I, I get to cheer and it's so moving and there's a whole other podcast on that, but it might be a little too raw. So we're going to save the joys of recovering from abdominal surgery for another podcast. Another podcast for another time. But you know, it's appropriate because we want to riff today on change and you know, surgery is the ultimate version of change. And instead of surgery, I'm going to... Well, I'm going to tell you that this podcast was inspired by a conversation that I witnessed um, with one of our favorite friends and and mentors in business, Seth Godin. He has an online training program, um, like we have an online training program, and his is called the Alt-MBA. It was almost 10 years ago now that I had the pleasure of taking actually the, the second iteration of that program live with him in New York. And... And it was a no-brainer. I mean, we were all lining up, dying to take, you know, to enroll in this with him. But now, you know, it's reaching masses. And the question is, you know, when is it time? Seth, when do I know it's time for me to take this program? And what's different is this is a month-long MBA program with Seth. And, and most people ask bigger questions, you know, as you did when taking your MBA. Your, your MBA certainly wasn't a month long. But as we believe you know, how do you make a decision about a week-long experience, a month-long experience, a year-long experience? They're, they're all just different versions of the same questions we ask ourselves. And I actually very intentionally listened to him be asked these questions, Seth, when is it the right time? And then I logged out because I didn't want to hear what he had to say. And I wanted to come in and riff with you on exactly this topic. So Instead of the Seth Godin response, the Matt Corker reply is, when is it the right time? Well, you know, it's really interesting. After speaking at the Reform Conference earlier this year, Ursula, one of our favorite coaches, she and I were having a little text dialogue back and forth. And we were saying how one of the archetypes that keep us stagnant or that keeps us um, in the same rut over and over again is this this archetype of a person who needs to 
have it all figured out before taking the first step. So they'll take the course, they'll do the program, they'll research more, they'll dive into the black hole of the interweb to see if they can all figure it out before taking any action toward their goal. I think what's really interesting, knowing that that can be a tendency that you know I can have or other people can have, the time to take action is always now. It's, it's always earlier than we think it is. It's always before we think we're ready and, and now's the perfect time because the perfect time, unfortunately, doesn't usually emerge. I look a lot, or when I speak to people about relationships and, and their dating or, or their marriage, um, often people will talk about, you know, this person was, came along at an inconvenient time. Mm. Like I was busy running my, like busy doing my, my work. I was, I was loving where I was at. I was not planning on meeting this person when I met them. And it was just quote unquote by happenstance and it was just inconvenient or it was not the right time. And I'm like, well, that's a perfect analogy of everything else. Like, When's the perfect time to start the business? When you're busy doing something else. When's the perfect time to jump into a relationship? When you're busy doing something else. Because then it's not, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be all the buttons and super polished before you launch. Yeah. Just like go and try and see if you like it. And then you get to change. Totally. Well, and I think there's two things that I hear um, in that because one is we never know what the outcome will be. We never know what the, the finish line, the end result. And so we wait to tick all these boxes and we've totally missed out on everything that could have, have come in between because we don't know where it will go. We don't know where, you know, the, the perfect busy world could come crashing down or totally make a left-hand turn and you make the left-hand turn and, and there's a lover or a, you know, a totally new opportunity. I'm funny enough reading Seth's book, this is marketing. And in that he speaks about the right time to press the buzzer is before you know the answer, because if you wait until you know the answer, it's too late. Someone else will have pressed the buzzer. Mm. And I think that's like my favorite analogy. I want a buzzer in the office, bro, that you, <laughs> you hit it before you know, and you yeah. either figure it out or you don't, but you haven't missed the opportunity. It's like you haven't missed the boat because you've pressed the buzzer. And, and, you know, I look and think of all the times that we want to tick all of the boxes. It's like, well, there's going to be five new boxes by the time you tick all of them, then there's new boxes. So are you just going to keep waiting to tick all the boxes or, or you just, you jump. And you'll figure it out. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing there is the myth or the lie that we tell ourselves is that, well, I already know what's going to happen. Right. Of course. Like I've already experienced this or, you know, my run tomorrow is going to be the same way as my run today. My, the way my team is going to show up next week is probably the same way they showed up this week. And we actually stop people and projects and processes from even occurring for us differently. And because we cut off that lens, when we cut off the potential for someone to be different, then of course we're gonna get more of the same because we anticipate, we create in our language and our actions, just more of the same. Yeah, absolutely. So 
why is change so hard, bro? You know, it's so funny. I actually think that change is very easy. Like if you gave me $10 million right now and I became a, like a millionaire, like change is pretty easy in that regard. Wait, what would you change? Well, I, I think like the type of like dwelling that I would live in, maybe the type of vehicle that I drive, maybe the amount of trips or destination of trips or like being able to support our mom more. Like there's a lot of things that more resources could do. But that change is very welcomed. If someone, I talked to someone in an organization, I was like, well, if I give you a promotion to your dream title and more money and more vacation and all that, like, would you say yes? And they're like, yeah. And then I was like, then why is organizational change deemed to be difficult? Mm. Because like, if it actually benefits us, then change is really easy. Mm. The issue of why change is that, in my opinion, the reason why change is hard is because humans have a negativity bias. So when we predict the future, when we're looking into uncertainty, our natural instinct is to think of worst case scenario. It's a doomsday. It's the end of the world. Nothing's going to come forward through this. Change is scary. Change is hard. It's never going to be the same. And to some degree, that all of those are real and valid. And it also is like work to use our leadership to create a vision worth living into mm. versus a feared for future or one, a default future that our negativity biases will automatically turn into a downhill spiral anyway. Right. So on the flip, I want to ask what's easy about change. What's easy about change is when change moves us towards our goals. When change moves us closer to our goal, when we see incremental improvement, when we finally get that contract signed that we've been waiting to get signed for years, when something we thought was impossible finally becomes possible and it wows us or it gives us a greater sense of our own potential or our own leadership, then change is really easy. Mm. And I think that, that the work in change management, in... Um, in creating movements is to really be able to paint pictures of the future that are worth living into, that people want to create, mm. that they can feel personally invested or they can feel personally benefited by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a really juicy topic. And, and granted, you're getting me, like, like we've said, straight out of surgery when all of a sudden everything is stripped down and that, you know, everything that I have done consciously, subconsciously, knowingly, not really knowingly, I can't do anymore right now. Mm -hmm. And in that state, it's made me realize when I've been on autopilot and then it's made me consider what do I want to use this period of time to change and to, mm -hmm. to do or be different. And one thing I think I'm a little bit hung up on whether it's hard or easy because quite frankly, everything is quite hard right now. Um, <laughs> so it's not about change being hard or easy, but for me, it's um, a mindset of almost unshackling from how it's been mm. and recognizing that 99% of the time I have put myself in these shackles and when I take them off, then I think, how could it be? And, and it's, it's almost like the label of it being hard or easy is, is inappropriate because actually it's just going to be different. 
And when I can let change be different, then I don't have to, you know, I, I, I can't help myself, but I go to diet in this place, you know, is changing your diet hard. Well, it's only hard if you want to stay the same and it will be different. And you might have cravings and sugar highs or sugar lows or experience things differently, but it's not to say it will be easy because it probably won't be easy. That's not comfortable. But if we can embrace the different and be a little bit more open-minded to where our brain has shackled or controlled certain thought patterns and give us, I mean, granted, I'm really biased because I've got space right now. And in space, I realize, oh, these are just thought patterns or, or patterns that have continued to repeat themselves. And now it's time for them to be different. And it's like, well, when is it time? And that comes back to our first question. It's like, well, it's time now because right now I have space and I recognize, you know, what has held me back in the past. And, and of course, in this place, having space, I, I just think, what if I had had space to think about this differently? And it's not to say that you have to have surgery and come out of anesthesia to, <laughs> to have a new mindset, but you know, was it Chip that used to riff on that bro? That if you had, what did he talk about having? He often talks about like, if you woke up with dementia, yes. what would you create with your future? Like, what would you create in your world if you had no past? Yeah. And I think that that's beautiful. And I think the difference, I get really excited about transformation and transformation is starting to become a research topic that I'm really passionate about furthering because it transformation is now this like buzzword in the industry where it's like just if something's transformative, a transformational leadership program or a transformational experience, but it doesn't actually, it may just be like a unique or memorable or it changed something or it altered something, but it really didn't like transform. And so on my way back from Portugal, actually, I was reading some research papers on transformation, you know, a little light reading on the plane. As you do. As I do. And one of the things that they talked about with the impetus to transformation is what they called, what the researchers have called a disorienting dilemma. And a disorienting dilemma essentially says the way that you've been, the way that the world has been, is no longer real, true, or valid according to where you want to go. And that disorienting dilemma is one of these moments of like real friction and sometimes it's like worldly friction. We see that with the Me Too movement. That was a disorienting dilemma for people to be like a little bit of a wake up call. We can see this personally when people like speaking for myself, when I like came out um, as a gay man, like who am I? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my future? Like disorienting dilemma. And then it's this conversation with yourself like you were speaking to about the space it will be different and recognizing how we make meaning about these new like what they call schemas or these new mental frameworks it's like okay if i'm going to do this like how am i going to operate in this new world what do i need to change how do i survive what makes me feel good and it's like some things will be the same and some things will be different but that conflict is an, either a collective experience or a very personal experience as we create a new perception of reality. Like the disorienting dilemma of, hey, we're going to give you a new position and a cooler title and more money. That disorienting dilemma 
is usually resolved in the onboarding process. It's like, who am I? How do I function? Okay, I settle in well, now I can evolve. But when it's something that is really personal to our identity or into values or core beliefs about the world or about how we function within the world, man, that's like, that just takes a lot more effort to normalize. Absolutely. And it's timely because we are talking about change in our own worlds, in the world of, of work, of how we show up at work, of the work that we care about doing. And in only two weeks' time, we have Disrupt HR coming up, which of mm -hmm. course is an event we're super proud and passionate about hosting in, in Vancouver. And um, we're choosing to change some of the the normalcies of events and some of the things that we do at events are are different than other events that we attend and and certainly the conversations that will be hosted at this event are you know as per the title constantly disruptive and tell me the plug the nuggets what do we need to know about disrupt hr coming in hot in two weeks time bro yeah june 6th at science world one of the things that we are super proud about is that it's an accessible venue so that people can get to science world and enjoy the show safely and comfortably whoever you are um, there's american sign language interpretation there so for people who would benefit from that that's a really great experience and for parents and guardians that have kids, we brought, we're bringing in professional nannies so that people who may need to pick up their kid after work and not be able to like go out anywhere afterward, which then decreases their ability to participate in events like this, like we got you covered. So we definitely want to make sure people know that they can drop off their kid at our mind to hear munchkin <laughs> um, little area and it's science world so it's like the nannies are having a heyday being like we get to play with cool things while like it's the coolest location for a kid to play more so on i just started we just started doing dry runs with our speakers this week and some of the the topics that are being presented around trust around ai around generational leadership, around age and authority. I'm like, this is so cool. Like, I feel like I'm learning so much. And what makes me so proud about this event and how we host this event or curate this event is that we're not just sharing the same story over and over again. So we're not sharing the same rhetoric about HR. As a top tier recruiter, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I already know how to recruit the best. I'm the best recruiter in the biz. Like, great, come here and learn other things outside about recruiting that will make you a better recruiter because we're expanding your conceptual map of what's appropriate. So another way of saying that is like, we hope to create some disorienting dilemmas at Disrupt HR so that people can leave being like, oh my gosh, like, what do I need to do? And how am I part of the solution here? And what action can I take when I get back to, to work the next day? So we have eight great speakers, four people that are going to be on a power panel, a very special guest that... And a really fun opener. And a really fun opener. And yeah. I'm just stoked. That's awesome. I am also really stoked because I think that the experience and the lessons will cause you, if you're open to it, to change. And these are moments in time, like a month-long MBA, a year-long MBA, that you can't help but leave and think, 
what if I could experience the future differently? Mm -hmm. And I guess we just come full circle and I can't help but say, bro, when, when is the right time to buy a ticket for Disrupt? <laughs> <laughs> what a good plug. Um, well, obviously it's now. We'll include the link below. It's now. It's, it's now. It's now. Like, hit the button now. Hit the button. <laughs> buy four tickets before you know who they're for. You know, like, Chad, my husband, is so good at this. He's like, I'm just going to buy three tickets, and then we'll figure out who comes to the ballet with us. And I'm like, this is great. He's you know, like, be able to, to hope to be the instigator of someone else's transformation. Oh, absolutely. All right, bro, we must wrap. As per always, what's making your heartbeat faster? What's making my heartbeat faster? Well, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to, like, share this news, but spoiler alert, I'm sharing the news anyway. Was awesome. I just got asked to be a Lululemon ambassador for the Robson Street store because I freaking love that downtown community that I get to be a part of every Tuesday and Friday at Equinox. And now I get to represent an identity and community to a larger audience with the help of Lululemon. And I'm pretty darn honored to uh, have this journey come full circle with starting at Lululemon back in 2010 and now nine years later and now out in the community working with my sis and creating really cool experiences for people to experience yoga. I am just so, so darn proud of you for this. And to think, you know, you're a wait-listed freaking sought after Equinox <laughs> yoga teacher. And now your face, I can't wait. I'm going to ask for our own ambassador photo of you for the office. <laughs> that would be so it, awkward. It's so perfect. It's going to look like all of your old, old day Instagram posts when you would do yoga poses everywhere in the world. And now it's like on this wall at Lululemon and a store that was really special to us and yeah. made a dent and, I'm just, I'm so proud of you for that. Thank I'm you. really, really stoked. So, What's making your heart beat faster, Sefer? My heart is, oh golly, I all the things that it normally beats fast for. It's just <laughs> on pause at the moment. I will tell you that I am really cherishing and it's taking a lot, digging deep to appreciate this space right now. And every morning I wake up and I write down all the things I'm grateful for until I can't write anymore. And it's been a really wonderful practice because I felt like I was losing everything. And this practice of being grateful every morning just reminds me of all of the wonderful things that I have um, in, in a state of, of really raw recovery. So I just, I love writing all of the things I'm grateful for in the morning right now. I love that. A practice of new schemas, new identities. Uh, <laughs> all right. With that, so wrap. Until next week.